Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the federal government revealed plans to rebate carbon taxes paid by farmers in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta. And that was included in the December 14th fiscal update. It was promised in the lead-up of the federal budget in the spring of 2021 that it would refund an estimated $100 million to farmers and provinces without federally approved carbon pricing systems, where the federal carbon pricing backstop is in place in 2021. Many farmers argue the rebate falls short of what producers spend, and farmers need more details on how the payment rates were set. Retired agronomist Tom Weir is with us, and he says there certainly are problems with the way the tax is applied to farmers. The faba bean plant is high in protein and well-suited to growing in colder climates and capable of virtually eliminating the need for fertilizer. But like many other crops, faba suffered with the drought conditions, which impacted production in 2021. We're going to take a closer look at faba beans. Chuck Penner with Left Field Commodity Research will talk about last year's crop and give us some projections for 2022. After the break, Tom Weir. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Canada's carbon tax will be rising by $50 per metric ton on April 1st. And that has raised a lot of concerns in the agriculture community. Uh, Retired agronomist Tom Weir is my guest today. And uh, he also has expressed some of his concerns. So first of all, Tom, maybe just talk about the issue that you have with the carbon tax and the way it applies to farming. Well, I guess uh, I guess what uh, where I've got some issues on carbon tax and the idea of getting it ready or rid of it for farms is that from a simplicity uh, and from a, a record keeping uh, point of view, uh, it, it's definitely the the simplest way to go. But uh, I guess my question is: It fair? I I keep hearing people talk that. That agriculture is is a net, uh, or crop agriculture is uh, a net promoter or net uh, putting carbon into the into the soil and sequestering it. And from an industry standpoint, it probably is. However, it really is based on on the individual farm. There's a number of farms out there that are are net producers of uh, carbon dioxide, net emitters. And there's other ones that are, are uh, net uh, sequesters. So I guess the question is, if you cut all the taxes, um, is, is that fair? The other aspect is, is, is that there is opportunities to um, sell your carbon credits. So if you cut the taxes for everybody and then the people uh, get their carbon, carbon credits, they're actually double dipping. So... Um, I guess the the fact is, is if you're not in a position to get carbon credits, then you're probably a net uh, emitter. And so I think the the idea that uh, crop agriculture as a, as a whole is, is doing a good job, and we are, but we probably have slipped over the last five years or eight years. I see a lot more tillage going on in these areas. Anyways, the areas I travel, western Manitoba, East Central and Northeast uh, 
Saskatchewan, there's a lot more emissions or tillage going on. So you, that's a net emitter of, uh, of carbon dioxide. Every time you till the soil, you stimulate the microbes. They mineralize more um, nitrogen, but at the same time, they liberate carbon dioxide. So I guess the question is, is it fair um, to give a carbon credit? They're taking the taxes off of everybody and then allowing other people to get carbon credits. That if it's based solely on on your emissions, uh, your inputs, your your emissions, the way you're farming, uh, there are ways of, of recouping some of that carbon credits. It's not a it's not an easy process. I've worked for a couple organizations that have uh, um, uh, offered carbon credits and. Uh, um, amalgamated those carbon credits and sold them, and uh, farmers do get uh, significant uh, um, income from it. But it's done on their farming practices. So I think that's a point that farmers should think about. It would be great to have a, a broad brush, but there's going to be farmers that benefit that shouldn't, and there's going to be farmers that uh, are able to double dip uh, and get their uh, credits as well. So, as I say, the fairest way probably is to have a good system of trading, uh, trading credits, and uh, those that can prove that they do it in a economic or an environmental um, manner will get those credits. And I guess to add to this, uh, many farmers have expressed their disappointment with their carbon tax refund. It depends on again their farming practices if they can show i mean they're getting back what they're they're doing uh it's based on their their uh system of farming if they're no-till if they're using um for our nutrient management for their nitrogen placements they can get significant monies back if they're say tilling the soil um all of a sudden they don't qualify for credits because they're net emitters and i guess this is something that I think farmers have to realize that if you're not following the practices, um, if you're not using for our nutrient management, if you're not uh, using uh, no or, or minimum till, then you're a net uh, emitter. And that's uh, that's something that most farmers don't have their heads around. They, they've heard the story that uh, cropping agriculture is, is a net sequester of, of, uh, of carbon and that that's correct on the broad broad uh, look at things, but on an individual basis, if you're as I say, if you're tilling, if you're using a a uh, vertical tillage piece of equipment out there, you uh, have probably moved from a uh, sequester of carbon to an emitter of carbon. Tom Weir is a retired agronomist and he is based in eastern Saskatchewan. After the break, Chuck Penner shares his thoughts on faba beans and the prospects for the crop in 2022. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Chuck Penner is with Left Field Commodity Research, and he made a presentation uh, at the virtual Crop Production Week activities uh, just before the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Annual General Meeting. So, Chuck, let's uh, focus on FABAs this time around and tell us about last year's FABA crop and the seeded acreages. 
Uh, we had a 34% increase in seeded area this spring, um, but the yields were so poor that uh, production ended up at only about a little over 70,000 tons. And um, so that is the, um, uh, that's the kind of a situation um, that we had in Western Canada, uh, which made it, which makes it um, uh, difficult at the same time, though uh, we've had a very, very strong feed uh, market, feed protein market uh, with sky high feed pea prices um, and, and faba beans have also benefited uh, not only from that, the export market has been more of a challenge. Uh, and so Canadian exports um, are still tracking along uh, kind of the, the lows. Um, and, and this is, is largely, or uh, a good chunk of this is related to lack of Canadian supplies. Um, but uh, I would expect that even if we um, had larger supplies, it would be a bit of a challenge uh, to export faba beans um, uh, large volumes of faba beans uh, in the current year. So let's move on to prices and the prospects for uh, the upcoming crop uh, 2022. We've had prices really strengthen and you know, the Canadian bids really took off, of course, because of the drought, but also because of those strong feed protein uh, markets. Um, Australia really spiked higher uh, when there were problems related to harvest delays, but it's already come back down again. And the the Australian fama production, um, but um, there have been estimates, um, I believe, as high as 800,000 tons of uh, Australian fava beans. Um, so that will really, really weigh on the on the export market, uh, which is essentially um, Egypt. Um, uh, or has been, um, Canadian faba beans are increasingly headed to the U.S. when they are exported. So that's the that's kind of the price situation. But here's one of the reasons why um, uh, Canadian faba beans have a hard will have a hard time this year uh, in terms of production. So a little bit of an increase in France, uh, a large increase in the U.K. crop, um, and in Australia, a, a large. Uh, crop as well too, and in the Baltic countries uh, like Lithuania, Lithuania, Latvia, um, a, de- a smaller crop but a decent, so decent sized crop. So lots more competition uh, in the marketplace. So what we sort of know is that Canadian prices uh, are have been well supported. It's been the feed protein market that's really kept prices up. Um, export competition is back to where it's been a few years ago. Um, the lo- from a longer term perspective. Uh, this new low visine variety, I think, is is probably going to be the key uh, to expansion in the market. I think uh, uh, I'm probably you know late in in or or there are many others that that have seen that before. I have maybe put it that way, um, but we really need that domestic processing. It's it's um, is if we're going to have to compete against Australia and we're going to have to compete against Lithuania and uh, the UK and things like that. In the Egyptian market, we are going to be limited. So it needs to, um, the expansion will come from a larger domestic processing uh, sector. And uh, there's some positive signals uh, coming from that. Chuck Penner is with Left Field Commodity Research based in Winnipeg.
This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of January 17th, 2022. There was some good news for cattle producers. South Korea lifted its temporary suspension of Canadian beef imports that were imposed after an atypical BSE case was confirmed in an Alberta cow last month. It was Canada's first BSE case in six years and prompted three countries, South Korea, China and the Philippines, to establish restrictions. South Korea imports about $90 million worth of Canadian beef per year. An atypical case can occur naturally in older cattle on rare occasions, while classical BSE is caused by a cow eating contaminated feed. A major value-added announcement for Saskatchewan. Federated Co-op said it would build a canola processing plant and the country's largest renewable diesel facility. The integrated agriculture complex north of the co-op refinery complex in Regina will include a renewable diesel facility as well as the new canola crushing plant in partnership with AGT Foods. The FCL renewable diesel production plant will create more than 2,500 construction jobs and 150 permanent operating jobs. The plant will have a production capacity of 15,000 barrels per day or about 1 billion litres per year. The FCL AGT Canola Crush Facility will use 1.1 million tonnes of canola seed to produce 450,000 tonnes of oil. The National Farmers Union called for a full investigation into skyrocketing fertilizer prices. Ontario NFU President Don Ciparis says that fertilizer prices on his farm increased anywhere from 144 to 220 percent. He said the only way to get to the bottom of the price increases would be for an independent body like the House of Commons Agriculture Committee to investigate all of the factors that contribute to fertilizer pricing in Canada. Manitoba has a new agriculture minister. Derek Johnson replaced Ralph Eichler after a cabinet shuffle. Johnson is the MLA for Interlake Gimli. A Tisdale, Saskatchewan farmer has been elected the new president of the Agricultural Producers Association. Ian Boxalt takes over from Todd Lewis, who completed his term limit of six years as president. Boxalt said APAS will continue to advocate for farmers. Ranchers and cow-calf producers should be monitoring calves for vitamin A levels. Dr. John Campbell with the Large Animal Sciences Department at the University of Saskatchewan said calves get their vitamin A in colostrum and high nitrate levels in feed can interfere with the cow's absorption of vitamin A. Severe deficiencies can lead to loss of vision and defects in bone growth. A new project will see plant-based cheese products created from prairie crops. Protein Industries Canada CEO Bill Gruel said that Lumi Foods' cultured cheese-making method will be used in the process. The university will conduct research focused on improving the flavor, structure and aroma of the plant-based cheeses. And these products will be available in about one year at Savon Food Stores. The Saskatchewan government said it will submit another carbon pricing plan to the federal government in the coming months. The province's first proposal was rejected by Ottawa last July. Premier Scott Moe said they want regulatory control over the tax on fuel consumption as well as on pricing of industrial emissions from electricity generation and natural gas transmission pipelines. The federal government has stated it won't look at new submissions until next year.
If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarland, and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.